stand by while NCLA cuts through the noise to signal abuse of administrative power. This is Administrative Static with Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchione. Welcome back to Administrative Static. This is John Vecchioni and uh, Mark Chenoweth had to leave us, but uh, our other co-host, Janine Eunice, has joined us to discuss uh, some developments in another case that I'm somewhat familiar with. Welcome, Janine. Oh, thank you. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me back. Um, So uh, we got some exciting news in your case last week, uh, Relentless versus the United States Department of Commerce. Can you tell us what the news was? Yes. The news is we had petitioned for certiorari uh, to ask the court to take this. And they had already taken the case of Loper Bright. Uh, and the Loper Bright case was also Herring Fishermen who – this is the case where um, Herring Fishermen have at sea monitors placed on their vessels and then have to pay for those guys, 700 $10 or more a day uh, while they're – whenever they declare for herring. And so uh, our friends over at Cause of Action had Loper Bright uh, and Paul Clement uh, helped them with their petition and they got cert granted in that case. And it's been pending and there's been no argument granted in that case, strangely. So we petitioned in our case in Relentless and we asked to be joined with it. And um, – Friday, the Supreme Court said, yes, you will You will um, be joined to that case and um, they'll be argued. They're not being combined, but they're going to be argued in tandem, meaning they'll be argued on the same day, one in the morning. I think Loper Bright will go first and then us. Um, so it's very exciting. So can you uh, give a little background about the case? What's yeah. the What are the facts and, and why is it important? Okay. So the way our case differs from Loper Bright um, is twofold. Well, maybe even maybe even more than that. But the things that first come to mind is um, this rule that you have to pay for these guys on your boats, it affects Relentless and Huntress and Sea Freeze. Um, well, the, well, what's what's the rule? I so I thought I'd explain it to our to our listeners before, but but basically wow. um, the Department of Commerce and NOAA and National Marine Fisheries have created a um, an office called at sea monitors. The statute says observers, they say these at sea monitors are kind of observer. And unlike the observers who are now on boats that have since 1990, the Magnuson-Stevenson Act was amended that people uh, could go on your boats if you're a commercial fisherman and you have uh, permits to, to fish in American waters, could go on your boats and make sure you know, you're taking the right size fish and the right amount of fish and make sure all the regulations are being followed excuse me, and also to um, to take scientific assessments of, of how the marine life is doing. So that's been going on for 20 years and nobody really complained about it. And and in the statute, when the statute was amended, I don't know that anyone, certainly not my clients, nobody, nobody ever complained. But 20 years on, an administrative agency decided that, you know, we don't like how many observers Congress is funding. So we are going to make these at-sea monitors and we're going to put them on the boats and we're going to charge the herring fishermen to to have their own, uh, you know, uh, 
patrolmen on their boats. So that is the crux of this. Can the administrative agency say who pays for a government service just from the fact that these guys are regulated? And so is that a, what kind of arguments did you raise about that? Is that a constitutional issue or? It, it is, it is, first of all, um, it's a matter of, this is, this, this goes to the Chevron deference, all right? The, the key questions, we, we had put two questions in our petition for- And, and Chevron uh, Which I will explain uh, yeah. what okay. it is right now. Well, <laughs> you, I was also going to, oh, I was going to go say uh, Chevron deference, which John will explain momentarily, has been a, uh, a problem for a long time. And it's one of the reasons that NCLA was founded, actually. So. That's exactly right. And so what that is, is that is the doctrine that has been around for about 40 years uh, that says that an administrative agency- if the statute that informs whatever it's doing is ambiguous after the court goes through all the canons of construction and all the, the uh, statutory construction tools at its disposal, if it's still ambiguous, that the, um, the interpretation of its own power, the agency gets uh, deference by the judges that they're right as long as it's reasonable. Um, and there's a big swath of reasonable, and that, this gives agencies a lot of power, right? Tremendous amount yeah, of power, right? And, and a lot of a lot of statutes are kind of ambiguous, especially when you're trying to interpret them in light of you know modern modern day developments that might not have been anticipated when Congress passed that. That is that is correct, and uh, I'll give you an example of one time. Um, uh, you know, down in the Fifth Circuit, they uh, the Magnuson Stevenson Act says nothing about aquaculture, and it says nothing about fish farms or any of that stuff, um, and raising, uh, you know, your fish in the Gulf like Aquaman or something. In any event, so so uh, the the NOAA and, and National Marine Fisheries and Commerce they're all uh, bundled together. They all have different jobs to do under the statute, but in any event, um, they said that, uh, yeah, we can do aquaculture because it's, you know, marine fisheries. And the Fifth Circuit said, no, it's not ambiguous. You, it doesn't say anything about aquaculture. You, 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 you can't do anything about aquaculture. So that shows that they would really stretch it uh, to do anything they'd like. Fifth Circuit didn't let them. But here in this case, the D.C. Circuit allowed this rule in Loper Bright. And then the First Circuit allowed this rule in our case, in Relentless Fee Commerce. And they said, um, now, and this is where it comes in. So I'm going to now explain how we differ from Loper Bright. Factually, our boats fish for four kinds of marine life, two kinds of squid, butterfish, and herring. And the way it works is you declare into a fishery, meaning you say what you're going to go get before you go. And um, But because we might change our minds, we could have a because uh, there might be different fish out there, right? So um, we have freezer boats and we catch a smaller amount of fish per day than anybody else because we process and freeze them on the boat for sending off to shops and, and uh, or abroad or wherever they, they're going to have the seafood. So we catch less fish, fish a day and we stay out longer. We stay out for two weeks. So if we say we're going to get herring and we don't get any herring, we've paid for a guy for two weeks, $710 a day, which you know, just kills you. It kills you. And the other thing is because our boats are larger, it seems at least from the observers, the observers we already have that I told you about before we don't pay for, they seem to get assigned to our boats a lot more often because I think they like being on those boats and they get um, advantages because they can make up their days um, that 
by being out for two weeks because normal herring fishermen who just take the herring and bring it back to the dock, they're out for three to five days. They're not, the trips aren't as long. So um, we, we really get the bulk of this. Uh, we, we really get bludgeoned by this particular um, uh, regulation. So, but what did the, and then the second thing is our opinion out of the first circuit, the Supreme Court say, by saying Chevron's okay, whenever they've mentioned it, yeah. The Supreme Court has always said to the lower courts, but we want you to really, really, really do that statutory construction. Now, here's footnote nine from Kavanaugh, and here's this and that and the other thing. And, and look, Chevron should be used very, 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 very rarely because if you use this right construction, everything will come out fine. And we really expect you to do it, lower courts. And the First Circuit opinion says, and I'm almost quoting it, I, I, I haven't committed it to memory, but it certainly burns in the mind. It says, ah, under step one, which is when you decide whether it's ambiguous, or step two, where now it's ambiguous, so any reasonable interpretation gets in. And this is fine. They didn't do the work. They didn't right. say whether it's step one, step Now, the lower court, I must say, Chief Judge Smith, in the district court opinion, uh, he he did the work and he said that it was ambiguous and he went to the step and they affirmed him. But they're in appellate court, you know, their whole job is <laughs> what's the standard? How is the statute work? What's this? And right. it's kind of like, well, you know, we don't really want to commit ourselves. Well, right. that's what they're supposed to do. So I think that our opinion really shows that 40 years of telling the lower courts how to do this and what the Supreme Court expects has been completely useless and hasn't and hasn't advance the ball of making sure that the agencies don't get this deference very often. So right. that's not even working out. And the First Circuit's opinion shows that. And I, I mean, NCLA's position is that Chevron is, is not consistent with the Constitution, right? That's and correct. And the reason there is that, um, versus a number of reasons. The first reason is, is that the agencies are total creatures of, of congressional construction, right? So any powers Congress doesn't give them uh, is not theirs to have. So that's right. the first thing. There's a delegation problem of Congress didn't give them that power, so you don't assume the power. The other, though, is the judges have their own job to do. Like I just said, the First Circuit wasn't doing its job. There is a, it is a matter of judicial abdication to say that these agencies get to declare what the law is and not the judges because the judges don't have any dog in the statutory fight where the agencies do. And the thing that really gets me is that all of the bureaucrats and all the agencies have the ability to increase their power. In this case, one of the things that struck me from the government's opposition to our petition, it, it floored me. They said, well, you know, Chevron deference is a good thing. And in any event, there's no harm from the statute because the payments, uh, it's funded two ways. The administrative part of it, like training these guys uh, who go on the boats or figuring out where the where they're going to be and what boats they're going to be assigned to. That's called administrative costs. And that has to be funded by Congress under the regulation. And they admit that it has to be funded by Congress, but Congress won't fund that part. So Congress has refused to fund even the little tiny part of this that, um, that uh, the agencies say should be funded by the government. So they're saying that, oh, no, we know what the law is. We've got it absolutely right. And, and Congress just never will fund it. So it's not a problem. Well, this is crazy. C Congress didn't give them the power in the first case. <laughs> now isn't paying for whatever they're, they're supposed to pay for. And they're saying, oh, no, it's perfectly lawful. So this is it, 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 it increases the power of the bureaucracy and the executive 
It takes away power from Congress and it takes power away from the judiciary to no constitutional purpose. It unbalances the, the tripart split of our, our government. So I think, and I, when we come back, we'll keep talking about <laughs> there, it. But, there's a lot but it is really unconstitutional because it's, it's um, injuring every part. One, Article 1, Article 2, and Article 3. We'll be right back. 